Welcome to the WPC Sermon Podcast from Westminster Presbyterian Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. This week's sermon is from Head Pastor Owen Stepp, entitled, Memorize What You Need to Remember, and is part of our sermon series on the season of Lent. To find more information on our worship services and live stream, check out our website, westminstercharlotte.org. Now enjoy this week's message from Pastor Owen. Today's scripture passage is from the book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, now by the power of your Holy Spirit, make your word a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do continue through the journey of the season of Lent today, and I hope that you have found the practices that we've invited you to adopt over this season have been fruitful ones, that indeed they've grown our attention toward the God who has loved us and the one who has called us his own children. And so as we've talked over these weeks about prayer and about fasting and about Sabbath that Leslie did such a great job with last week, today we're going to embark on the discipline, the practice of memorizing Scripture. But it's kind of like fasting, isn't it? It's not something that we generally embrace on a regular basis as the children of God, do we? We don't memorize many things at all anymore. I remember when I was a kid, at least you had to memorize phone numbers, right? Because there was this time when the only phones that were around had a cord attached to a wall. It was crazy back then. You had to memorize numbers or look them up in a big, thick book. So you memorized phone numbers. Memorized the teams in each division in the NFL growing up. But why bother memorizing things when you could just Google everything? In church, when I was a kid, we also had a lot of memorization that went on. The first 15 minutes of each Sunday school hour on Sundays were devoted to memorizing the Westminster Shorter Catechism, all 107 questions and answers back to back. Question one, what is man's chief end? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Did anybody else have that same experience and upbringing? Yeah. The memorization of these things over and over again kind of laid a groundwork for us. 
But memorization has fallen out of favor in many circles of learning, uh, many circles of education. The stress has often been placed instead on teaching critical and analytical thinking and believing that the information will be taken care of itself at some other moment. But the pushback against that in the research is that memorization actually provides the fuel for critical and analytical thinking. We don't start with nothing. We have a standard by which we judge other information which we receive from time to time. And we don't just memorize for the sake of accumulating more information, more stuff in our brains. In terms of faith, the late Princeton theologian Archibald Alexander said that memorizing scripture and catechism is like firewood in a fireplace. And I want you to keep that image in your mind as we continue to talk about it today. It's like having firewood in the fireplace stacking up. Without the fire, that is the spirit of God, firewood would not in itself produce a warming flame. But he goes on, without fuel, there would be no fire either. And that is what catechetical instruction is. Committing God's word to our memories is stacking the wood for the fire that the Holy Spirit will light in God's good time. Keep that image in your mind. Dallas Willard was a philosophy professor at the University of Southern California, and he is a, a giant in the world of spiritual formation. And he wrote this about scripture memorization. Bible memory, he said, is a, a absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, he writes. And how does it get to your mouth? By your memory. The reality of life is that we will have truth by which we judge the other information that we see, receive along the way, whether that truth is articulated or not in our lives. But for the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, the invitation is for that truth to be God's holy word in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls. So we built into our practices for Lent the word of the week. Uh, each week, we encourage you to, uh, to memorize together a Bible verse, or as someone has so astutely pointed out to me today, these are three verses, this is not one verse. I said, you're a high achiever, come on, you can do this, right? So turn to someone next to you today and say, we can do this. The word of the week is on the back of your bulletin. It will also be on the screen for you at home this morning. Let's read it together from Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, and therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Let's do it one more time. Get this week started right. Hear how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So what we want to do this morning is take these three verses from Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible, and all 176 verses of Psalm 119 are about the Word of God, 
about loving and applying and pursuing the Word of God in our lives, the gift that it is to us. And what I want us to do is take these three verses and examine them this morning to find why is it so important that we store the Word of God within our, our memories and in our hearts. The first verse we read is, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey is to my mouth. Now, as a man who believes that one of the great pleasures with which God has gifted us in this world being honey on a warm, buttery, flaky biscuit, this image of God's Word is particularly attractive to me. It is sweet because it reminds us of the voice of our Heavenly Father, the one who loves us. And it reminds us that the Word of God is good news. It's good news for us to live in our lives. Our Heavenly Father loves us, and He has a plan for our lives. He has provision for us today and for eternity as well. When we remember the Word of God that says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we can find comfort in the one who guides our path, who provides for our safety, who provides for our every need, the one who is our shepherd. When we recall that Jesus himself said, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We remember that our Savior invites us to bring the heaviness of our lives, to bring the burdens that hold us down, and to give them to him that he might provide for our lives. When we remember that Paul wrote that we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news to one who feels like God may not be able to love them where they are today. But that indeed nothing can separate us from the love of God. Sweeter than honey. More life-giving than any food we have. It is good news that is contained in the scriptures. And by memorizing it, we allow that good news to permeate our conscious and our unconscious thoughts alike. The gospel becomes kind of a soundtrack for us as we travel this road. And God's word becomes the fuel by which we engage the world around us. Even the parts of scripture that don't seem like good news on their face, on their surface sometimes. Think about the Ten Commandments, for instance. People would say, well, that's not good news. God's always telling us, thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. Those are restrictive. That is not good news. But I ask you to think about those Ten Commandments for a second. Which of those Ten Commandments, by breaking them, would make your life better? Right? Think about it. I mean, long term, not just maybe for a moment, but long term for your life. Which one of the Ten Commandments, by breaking it, would make your life better going forward? I don't think you can find one. Why is that, that even God's law is good news for us? Because it's the creator's guide for how we should enjoy his life that he's given us. How we are to embrace the creation which he has placed around us. Internalizing the strength and the sweetness of God's word also enhances our prayer life. 
We talked about a prayer a few weeks ago, and we didn't get into one of my favorite uh, modes of prayer, which is praying God's word, because it changes us and deepens our prayers beyond the things that we kind of get out of the way all the time. One season that I went through with our children when they were in their crib still was taking the 23rd Psalm and personalizing it as I prayed over them at night and laid a hand on them. For my daughter, Anna Kate, for instance, Lord, be Anna Kate's shepherd. Let her never want. Let her lie down in green pastures. Lead her beside still waters. Restore her soul. Lead her in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. When she walks through the valley of the shadow of death, let her fear no evil, for you are with her. Let your rod and your staff comfort her. Prepare a table before her in the presence of her enemies. Anoint her head with oil, may her cup overflow. Let goodness and mercy follow her all the days of her life. May she dwell in your house forever. Amen. power of praying God's word changes who we are. It transforms our life of prayer. For praying that for our children is the easy part. What happens when we pray it for our enemies? What happens when we pray it for our spouses, for our neighbors, for our friends? For ourselves, Lord, be my shepherd. Let me never be in want. Knowing God's word deep in our souls allows us to pray more deeply toward the heart of God and to change our lives and our minds about the people that God has placed around us and the life that God has given us here. It's powerful. This word from God is like a love letter from a far country, from the one who has loved us, and it reminds us of the one whom we miss and to whom we will return one day. As we commit it to memory, it works like a good marinade, doesn't it? Seeping the flavor of God into the pores of our lives over and over again, washing us and getting into our lives. God's word in our minds and our hearts and our souls gives us the pleasure of always remembering God's sweet, good news that is sweeter than any honey on a biscuit. The second verse of our three this morning is, through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Memorizing God's word teaches us right from wrong and helps us to resist temptation. Take the example of the Lord Jesus Christ that we read this morning from the wilderness. When he was confronted by the devil in the wilderness with temptations of food and fame and power and all the same stuff that we're still tempted with today. Jesus responds with three verses from Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy 8.3. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Deuteronomy 6.13. Now, if you are somebody today who has no trouble with temptation in your life, you could probably just turn off the rest of the sermon. But if you're like me, 
one who struggles with temptation in life, if Jesus confronted temptation and overcame it this way, maybe that's something I ought to pay attention to as well. And note well that Jesus didn't have the Bible with him, a printed version of the Bible. You know, some scroll that he pulled out and say, I think it says in here somewhere something about bread. It was inside of him. It was internalized into his life. And so he could pull it up at the time of trial. I think we, part of our spiritual weakness is that often we reduce the word of God to a book or even an app on our phone. And when we do that, we miss the reality that God has given us the greatest tool for personal transformation and for the transformation of the world by his word as we internalize it into our lives. Memorizing the word allows for our lives to be saturated with the presence of the word of God that is sweeter than honey, but it is powerful as well. Powerful such that when the time of trial comes, we are ready for the fight. To resist the temptation of the evil one in our lives and to live in the victory of Jesus Christ who overcame sin and the grave. We are ready. We have the sword of the Spirit, as Paul said in the, in the, in the full armor of God. We have what the writer of Hebrews called a, a, a sword that is sharper than any two-edged sword in the Word of God. Jesus employed the weapon as he resisted temptation. But it's not just important to see that he employed it, but how he employed it as well. For Jesus used the Word of God to differentiate between the truth of God and the temptation of the devil. Let us be clear, from Genesis to Revelation, the devil is a liar, but he's a good one. He's a really good liar. All from all the way back in Genesis, the way of the tempter is that he takes something true and good and beautiful that God has given us, and he distorts it just a little bit, so it still sounds just about right, but when we follow it, it leads to our destruction and to our death. He's a liar. Look again at Jesus' example. Because it starts with the devil telling the truth, doesn't it? He says, look, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Was Jesus the son of God? Yes. Did Jesus say, well, I'll show you? No. No. Because he knew there was something else going on. That the real temptation was to separate himself from the Father in heaven. From the one who said he would be his provision. And so Jesus resisted that temptation. Jesus knows that deeper reality because it is rooted in his soul by the word of God being entrenched there. The same is true of temptations that the devil brings to our doorsteps today as well. From sex to food to knowledge to power and provision, Satan takes something that God meant for our blessing and our good and distorts it just enough that it would end in our separation from God and in our death and destruction. The devil is a liar. But for us to gain understanding, as the psalmist says, 
To gain understanding, we have to know the word of God in our hearts and in our lives. Now, the Bible doesn't address every single thing along the way, right? The Bible does not tell you how to drive your car, for instance. The Bible does not tell us if there are populations on other planets in the cosmos. That's not the function of Scripture. But the way I love it framed up in the second Helvetic Confession is this. It says, in Holy Scripture, the universal church of Christ has the most complete exposition of all that pertains to a saving faith and also to framing a life acceptable to God. So there are questions that the Bible doesn't answer, but if what we want to know is everything that we need to know for a saving faith and for framing our lives in ways that please God, it's in the book. And we need to get it from the book into our minds and into our hearts so that the word of God may dwell in us richly, as Paul writes in the New Testament Committing God's word to our minds and hearts allows us to separate God's truth from the tempter's lies, and we can rest in that truth. Finally, in Psalm 119, the psalmist writes, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Say it with me. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, we walk in a world of darkness. We walk on a path that is troubled, that is rocky, that it's hard to see around the next corner. Violence and war, enmity and mistrust, disease, selfishness, consumption, greed and envy, all of these are not just out there in the world problems, they're in here in my heart problems too. We are all fallen. We all struggle with the temptations of life and walking in the darkness of this world where God has placed us. So where is the light that will show us how to walk? Where is the lamp for the pathway that seems so dark? Friends, it is a statement of faith today that I give to you and I profess that I believe that the lamp for our feet and the light to our path is the very word of God and Holy Scripture. Illumined by the Holy Spirit and given to us by our Father in heaven. This is the way we walk. And the greatest way that we can employ this gift that God has given us is to impart it to our memories to allow it to become part of our unconscious thought as much as our conscious thought. For when the time of trial comes, we may not see it coming. And when the darkness arrives on us, the flashlight that we have at home will do us no good. The same is true of God's word. If we can't get to the app, if we can't look it up online, where will we hear the word of God? that speaks to us, but from the illumination of the Spirit that we have committed it to memory. Memorizing Scripture is laying wood for the time that the fire is lit. 
We return to that image of we're not just uh, memorizing things to memorize them. We are stacking wood for the fire that will come. And maybe the fire will be lit on that day by God's providence when we are despairing over whether God loves us or not. Maybe that fire will be lit when we come to the time of trial and temptation. When the tempter is lying, do we know the word of God that teaches us right from wrong? Maybe the fire will be lit when there's a big decision that we don't know what to do or how we're going to do it. But may the word of Christ dwell in us richly that we might be guided by the Holy Spirit. It is unquestionably a statement of faith that we make. That God's word is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. But may it be so in our lives, people of God, that we have no other authority, no other light except the very word of God. May we commit it to our minds, to our hearts, to our souls, to the glory of God. Amen. Let us pray. Even now, O oh Lord, give us the taste of honey from your word. May we know the power and the sweetness of it. As you have sent it to us as the one who has loved us from a far off country. Lord, teach us to know your ways. Teach us to know them by your word. May your word indeed be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. May we trust no other guide except for your word, O Lord. And as we come, may you draw us closer to yourself, word by word, step by step, moment by moment, to full communion with yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Pastor Owen. If you'd like to find out more about our church or view a video of the full service, visit our website at westminstercharlotte.org. We look forward to seeing you soon.